There's a war on for the soul of America, an ideological, political, and spiritual war. Will America abandon her place as a last beacon of hope in an ever-darkening world? Or will she rise again and lead the world into a new era of freedom and prosperity? I am your host, Phil Hotzenpeller, and this is American Faith Battleground. And as you know, we started AmericanFaith.com uh, uh, last year because we wanted to address issues that were happening in our own nation, um, and God has blessed that tremendously. Uh, we have an upcoming gala. I'll tell you more about that at the end, but with Dennis Prager, I want you to be a part of that. Um, but we did it for the very reason that we cannot live in isolation. And for a long time, the church was taught, okay, wrongly, that we just keep everything separate, we don't get involved, we don't engage, and what's got us is what we've got now. That's what we have. We have abortion going on, we have no school uh, prayer going on, we have no Pledge of Allegiance going on, we have mandates that operate outside of uh, law, uh, we have lawlessness in our streets, why? Because the church failed to engage. And I just want you to know, you have to engage. You know, you say, well, I, I just don't want to hear about that in church. Then, then what do you want to hear? All is well? All is well? I want to give you a couple of headlines. Ukraine invasion. NATO deploying response force for the first time to counter Putin. Now, what makes this really interesting is that when the Soviet Union collapsed in December of 1991, uh, Ukraine separated from them, but Ukraine had a lot of the nuclear weapons and interballistic missiles. And so Russia said, those are ours, we want them back. Ukraine says, they're ours, we're not giving them back. And what happened was, uh, President Clinton intervened at that time, and he said, look, you need to give them back. And uh, they said, we don't want to give them back because we know what Russia's all about, and we need these for security. He said, don't worry, look, we'll protect you and sent a memo, but came short of signing with NATO an alliance treaty that, as you know or may not know, under Article 5, that means what happens to one happens to all. So they've been left in that limbo kind of stage uh, since 1991. What we see unfolding today is really what was very, very predictable in that whole situation. And so the world is, is really posed in a, in a unique way to either this can either get solved or this can go really, really large. And as you look at history, you know that small things can become out of control before you know it. It only takes one rocket, one bullet, one wrong diplomacy, and we could face some amazing and unbelievably sad situation uh, in Europe. Here's another uh, headline. China says it supports Russia amid Ukrainian invasion, backs Putin's claim he's ready for negotiations. Now, why would China do that? Because their aim is on Taiwan. 
So what they want to do is they want to, this is really a test stage for them. If this goes well and the world somehow buys into it and there's not too much resistance from President Biden, which we don't anticipate too much, um, then, then, then China will feel at liberty to go into Taiwan. Another uh, headline, Russia attacks Ukraine. Is this the, uh, is this the uh, World War III? And so headlines like these, they're, they're by nature, a headline is designed to capture your attention. It, it might even border on sensationalism to capture your attention. But um, as you think about this subject of geopolitics and the Bible, and that you say, how do those two things work together? Well, remember, the Bible is probably one of the most political books on planet Earth. People say, what? Yeah, from, from day one, from Genesis chapter 10, when Nimrod establishes Babylon, the first kingdom, human kingdom, all the way through, in fact, Babylon is the last human kingdom that is, um, is actually dealt with by God in Revelation chapter 18, you see a constant tension going on with political leaders and governments trying to stop the work of God. And then you see those who are of faith standing up to government with the, with the power of God. In fact, on one occasion when two of the disciples were arrested for preaching the gospel, uh, they said, you, not, you can't do this anymore. And they said, we must obey God rather than man. But you decide what is best. You decide what is right. In other words, we will be subject to your authority, but we're, so subjection, submission is different than obedience. We only obey God. Okay, but we submit to local authority. And that local authority, when, the, when it's wrong, then we have a responsibility as citizens to challenge that. Why? So that the world might know Jesus Christ. You see, if you live in a world without peace and without the freedom to share the gospel, then what you do is you stop, you put a stranglehold on the message of the kingdom. So God wants us to work in both of those worlds, Ronald Reagan in 1983 made what I call the famous evil empire speech. I want to read just a few words from that speech. Uh, oh, that we had Ronald Reagan back at a time like this. Let us pray for the salvation of all those who live in that totalitarian darkness. Pray they will discover the joy of knowing God. But until they do, let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, sound familiar? We're living in that borderline totalitarianism in America where governors, presidents have tried to push that agenda on us. They declare its omnipotence over the individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth. They are the focus of evil in the modern world. While America's military strength is important, let me add that here that I've always maintained that the struggle now going on for the world will never be decided by bombs and rockets, by armies or military might. The real crisis we face today is a spiritual one. At its root, it is a test of moral will and faith. That is the test that we have as citizens of planet Earth. It is a test of our moral will and our faith. Now, a lot of you are, you're not really up on where is Ukraine. I want to give you just a, a quick overview of where Ukraine is and why it's so in such a precarious situation. Take a look at this map. And you'll notice that uh, Europe is right there. And there's a lot of, uh, Russia is a pretty big place, <clears throat> clearly. 
most of it you don't want to live in. It's kind of a frozen tundra. But, um, but Ukraine is, is strategically positioned because of the Black Sea. And Russia wants to control that. It also then gives its leverage into these other European countries that uh, potentially could fall. And so Russia rarely stops where they are, especially when you have someone like Putin who really thinks he's, <clears throat> he's living out Peter the Great, uh, the czar from, from Russia. He's, he's trying to reenact this almost in his life. He's a megnomaniac, uh, probably a trillionaire, who doesn't know uh, where to stop, and that's what we're dealing with. You know, when you read in the Bible about people like Nebuchadnezzar who come in and, and they from Babylon and they take Israel captive, and you see these despotic rulers all through history, all the Bible is filled with them. There, there's Putin the Great, there's, there's Nebuchadnezzar the Great, there's you know, all these Assyrian empires and Roman empires, Greek empires, constantly marching their way across planet Earth, trying to control. Um, right now, we see there's about 190,000 troops on the border or in the interior of Russia. Uh, one thing that's frustrating Putin right now is he's not having as much success as he thought. It's really interesting that one of the first things they did was they captured Chernobyl. Remember Chernobyl, the, the atomic site, that uh, power site that uh, went haywire and, and melted down, and that's got about a 50-year life before you can really re-enter that and, and is safe. But why would they capture that? You see, they know something that we don't know. And when the president... Uh, gives a, a statement like of Ukraine, like we are prepared. We have some we have some special things ready for them when they come. Well, those those are triggers, aren't they? And there's a reason that uh, Putin flipped the switch and said, you know, we're going to go to a nuclear alert level. And he just did that, I, I believe, this morning or last night. Uh, why is he doing that? Uh, to put it in perspective, right now this is the largest war in Europe since World War II. That's why this is so critically important. That's why we, we really pray. We really pray for peace, don't we? We pray for wisdom. We pray, uh, you know, even if you don't like members of the political party, you want to pray for wisdom that comes from God because it affects all of us. Amen? Amen. Uh, right now, there's about 120,000 refugees. They estimate this will go to 5 million. And you think about that, that's people like you. It's people like me. It's people with kids and people with families and people with friends and family in hospitals. And, and they're in a refugee situation just to try to survive. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the lesson uh, of the Russian seizure of Crimea in the Ukraine in 2014 is that you can't let Vladimir Putin get away with it. A Ukraine foreign minister said at the United Nations last Wednesday, the beginning of a large-scale war in Ukraine will be the end of the world order as we know it. Well, those are pretty big statements. And you wonder, does the Bible have anything to say? I want to thank you for listening to American Faith Battleground. 